Hello and welcome to another episode of Chasing Excellence. My name is Patrick Cummings and as always I am here with Ben Bergeron. Every week on the show we dedicate some time to exploring how we can live a life of better health and increased fulfillment. We answer your questions about the five factors of health, dive deep on living a life of excellence, and explore the strategies and frameworks to help us chase what truly matters. Thank you, as always, for tuning in to the show. How the heck are you, Ben? Very good, Patrick. We are going to have a conversation today. We've got uh, listener questions about ideal ranges of body fat for folks who want to kick ass into their 90s, the effectiveness of CBD oil, and dealing with negativity at work. Our workout today is going to be a complete mystery to me because all you did was tell me that Bodhi said we should have a conversation on the podcast. <laughs> Bodhi's your son. And so I was like, cool, let's do that. So that's what we're going to do today. So oh, I'm amazing. excited about that. Uh, and then we're going to wrap things up uh, with a new 30-day challenge. Ready for the warm up? Let's do it. Yep. Warm up is when we uh, is how we start each episode. Uh, we do that with your questions about the five factors of health, those few fundamental behaviors that most positively affect our performance, vitality, and longevity. Those five factors are how we eat, how we move, how we think, connect, and recover. First question we've got is from Kendall. It is in the move factor. I'm training for longevity and the occasional Spartan race. Mostly I train to continuously continuously grow, challenge myself, and shift my perspective. I follow the CompTrain open programming because I find CompTrain to be so above and beyond uh, in terms of its programming strategy and mindset components. Shout out to CompTrain. Uh, I'm looking for some guidance as far as how to follow the programming for longevity versus competition. And I'm specifically thinking about everything you you all have discussed regarding conditioning-based programming. Is it better for me to do uh, three of the prescribed components a day, strength, accessory, and workout, or is it better to break down the movements in the workout and work on them before the workout? So oh, it feels well, that like it's very about, specific. Yeah, yeah, like a okay. time management to a degree, I think. But well, okay. You. All right. So um, first, very cool that your um, what was your name? Kendall. Bar- uh, Kendall. That Kendall um, follows Comp Train. For those that don't know what that is, that's a um, it's a a, um, an app <laughs> that prescribes daily training, um, and mindset it's geared towards elite athletes. It's, it's geared towards the real hard charges and people that are trying to push the capacities of what we can do physically and mentally. So in order to do that for longevity, which is awesome that Kendall is doing that, it's not what the program is intended for, but for sure, you could skew this thing, you could tweak it a little bit. And the way that I would suggest doing that is not far off from what she's already doing. I would follow the open programming. Um, and then um, the small changes I would make is, um, in it's it's a little bit simpler than what she's saying. It's the biggest thing I would do is in um ensure that you're not taking a steps backwards. Mm-hmm. So this is a, a different, people that are chasing elite levels of fitness, their trajectory is fairly short because they need to optimize today for next week and next month. They're, we're trying to get as much out of their training so that they can peak this year. That's what a competitor is, somebody that wants to compete. So if we're training for longevity, that just that gets stretched massively. And it's basically um, the number one requirement there is <laughs> do no harm. Because we want no steps back whatsoever. So the way I would kind of conceptualize that is the first thing I would do is make sure you're appropriately scaling loads and movements. Any movement that you feel might be a little twingy on a shoulder or lower back, just sub it out for something that's a little bit more, uh, lack of a better word, but um, mundane, Um, not as challenging. 
and then obviously bring down the loads to something that you can uh, continually move with really, really good form and technique. That'd be the first thing. Second one, getting a little more specific is, um, she said, should I, uh, change out the movements or do the three pieces? Is that right? Is it better for me to do, th uh, three of the prescribed components a day, strength, accessory, and workout? Okay. That's it. Um, so that is yep. the answer. Yes, it is. It is better for you to do those. Um, the strength accessory and the Metcon follow it as is, but with those first principles in place. Got it. Cool. Next question is from Allison. This is in our think factor. I'm not very quote unquote woo woo or spiritual when teaching in the CrossFit space, but I feel my athletes could benefit uh, from my teaching some of the ideals of yoga or ideas of yoga in a spiritual sense. How would you, how do you think CrossFitters would respond to uh, and correct these pronunciations? pronunciations. That's ironic. Yeah. Uh, if I'm getting them wrong, That's the yamas ironical. and the, and the niyamas, N-I-Y-A-M-A-S, or even the eight limbs of yoga. So if you know what those are and I'm pronouncing them incorrectly. I would apologize. correct you if I knew what the heck those things were, but I don't know what the heck those things are. <laughs> okay, cool. So, but I, um, so some keyword, but some to answer. Yeah. So woo woo, spiritual yoga. So first off yoga, the word yoga means union. Mm. It doesn't mean um, stretching in a flow, trying to get sweat on and stuff like that. That's what it's been popularized as in the West. So it's a little, um, we don't, I don't know what she's talking about there. Cause I actually don't know what those yeah. are. Um, uh, it sounds like she's a little bit more towards the union side cause it's a, um, the, 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 the yin side and the uh, eight limbs and, um, I, I'm a massive, huge proponent of that side without going woo-woo. I don't think you need to be out there. Mm -hmm. um, I don't think you need to go the as far as Zen Ben, but you could say a little <laughs> bit more, speak the language of normal CrossFitters, yeah. which is you guys bust your ass mm -hmm. and work out with massively high levels of intensity. Anything that swings that far to one side of the pendulum necessitates swinging back the other side. It is just the nature of nature. Mm -hmm. So the opposite of that speed, that power, that intensity is chill and relax, slow it down. And that's why I've really fallen in love with yin yoga. I think it's a perfect complement to CrossFit where there is lots of different variations of Hatha and hot and power yoga and holding warrior two for 97 minutes until your arms feel like we don't need the additional muscular endurance. What we need is slow, chill and stretch. And that's what yin is. Yin is normally holding poses and postures. I should say it's holding stretches, which is why I like it. It's not tree pose for as long as you can just balance. It's not warrior two and how long can you hold your before your arms feel like they're gonna fall off. You're it's holding a stretch for two to five minutes. And then you move on to the next one. And the next one. There can be some sun salutations to warm the body up and um some movement incorporated, but it's a very relaxed and I love that aspect of it for the yin and the yang across it. But I also do love the philosophy of yoga in terms of the traditional sense of union, which is this whole thing is a whole. Mm -hmm. we, we as humans um, with our brains want to use our intellect to dissect everything and segment everything and um, good and bad and right and wrong and doorway wall. You walk through the door, not through the wall. Like, But because we do that, we lose the perception that this is a, um, a unified 
universe. Mm. Like we are not a singular being Patrick Cummings. You are a part of humanity, which is a part of um, this planet, which is a part of this galaxy, which is a part of this universe, and so on. This whole thing is intertwined, and I love that aspect of yoga, and I think that we could all use a level of that because it brings levels of perception that bring common centeredness. Mm -hmm. If you have common centeredness, you're a more formidable, potent human being. Thank you. Next question is in the eat category. Is there an ideal range for body fat percentage for folks who want to kick ass into their nineties? Yep. But yes, but it's a range. Mm -hmm. Do they say range or do they say ideal? Yes. Is there an ideal range? Yep. So they gave you that. Absolutely. Um, And it's just healthy. It's healthy. So one of the number one correlates to um, chronic disease is body is being overweight. So whether you call it body fat, BMI, or whatever you want to call it, yeah, if you are overweight, you are um, not going to be kicking ass in your 90s. So we need to mitigate your body weight and even more so, so as you dial this thing down, more so than body weight, it's BMI, and more than BMI, it's it's um, body comp, body fat. So what are those ideal ranges? Um, if you're um, in your below 30, we want guys to be hovering around um, 10%, um, 12, 13% totally fine. It's when you get into the higher teens that some issues arise and certainly in your, tw- in your 20% and above, um, you're probably pre- getting, becoming predisposed to some, some, um, challenges that you don't want to have as a part of your life for females. It's very, very similar, but you just add 5%. Mm-hmm. So it's going to be 15 to 20%, um, for, um, um, females under 30. And as you get above, um, 25% and certainly 30%, you're going to have those things. And then essentially for every decade you get older. So if you're in your forties, you could add just a couple percentage points to that. So if you're in your forties, that could be 12 to, um, 17% for males and it could be 17 to 22% for females and so on. Got it. Uh, recovery question. What are your thoughts on CBD oil? Does it help uh, or does it work? And if so, what's the best way to use it overall? I'll, res- I'll, I'll ask me that question in a year or two because mm. I actually don't know the answer just mm. yet. Yep. It's, to me, it's all anecdotal right now. And some people are like, oh my God, you got to try this stuff. It's absolutely amazing. Um, which cool, <laughs> that works. I just haven't um, experienced enough personally or with my athletes and clients to have a, a, a well enough informed opinion just yet to share Yep. what my take on it what is. What are the biggest ways people are using CBD? The only one I know is like there's a bit of a sleep aid to it, but is it? Well, if you ask me the way I use it in college, I would pack into a bong and rip <laughs> them, you know, before before philosophy class on Tuesday mornings at 1030. Okay. I'm not asking that though. Oh, um, I think that the most of it is being used as a cream. Okay. So yeah. like soreness yeah. type yeah. of thing. Got it. Okay, cool. Uh, last question we've got for our warm up. We're on fast today uh, in our connect bucket. How do you deal with negativity around you? I know you own your own business. You own your own business and you control who you hire and fire. So you can create a positive environment. But if you work for someone else and couldn't control personnel, how would you deal with those uh, with a negative attitude? Is there a gentle way to call them out? I want to help others look at things more positively and rationally, but I'm not sure if uh, maybe it's just not my place. I'm referring mainly to workmates that I have a limited, but not necessarily deep relationship with. Yeah. Super. Ch- that's, I would say when I, when I 
talk about reframing people, trying to become more positive, turn them into realists and you know the warrior mindset. This is one of the more challenging environments. Um, you can do it with your friends because you can have those hard, case, hard conversations. You need to do it with your family. Mm-hmm. Um, but the work, especially when you don't have, you're not the leader, super challenging. And uh, I would suggest, and I don't have a good, I haven't done this. Yeah. That's why I'm have to do it. I have to do it as kind of like- Conceptually. In, exactly. Yeah. In theory, how would I do it? <laughs> yeah. Um, and I would do it first and foremost by leading by example. Mm-hmm. Is um, if you are the average of the five, you be the you be the outlier. You be the highest person on that side. So um, that's where I would go for that, and not in an obnoxious way, but just make sure you yourself are not whining, complaining, or making excuses. Then from there, I would very softly. And subtly um, help people, again, softly and subtly become aware of when it is happening. And it wouldn't be every time. I would just choose the battles when they're appropriate to call them out in the moments. And mm. um, one of the ones that we've used in the, you know, as examples is um, help people turn have twos into get twos, um, reframe things as obstacles into opportunities. Um, turn um, shoulds into wills. So help work with people's language. You know, you're not going to change their mindset. You're going to change their personality, but you might be able to make help them become aware of some of the words that might not be helping them. And again, subtly and softly, if you come in too heavy, you're going to look like the the jerk work, the, the work jerk <laughs> that, uh, that nobody wants to be Zen around. Zen Ben, work jerk. I'm liking this today. Yeah. <laughs> um, you mentioned in the moment doing it. Is there is there also a case to be made for like when like let's remove ourselves from the situation and have a conversation about it in in retrospect? Or do you feel so, like that in the yeah moment you could do that, but it'd have to be um, you'd have to have a, a a resume of of the incidences because you can't go hey remember in last Tuesday's meeting when you dot 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 dot. It's a lot easier to do it. I don't mean like as they're doing it, but after Tuesday's right. meeting. Got it. Yeah. After Tuesday's so meeting. So close to the moment. Exactly. Right. It. Yeah. yeah. It's, so otherwise, it's not- it seems like, well, what the hell? You've been holding on to this fat long. <laughs> Have you been also talking to the other people here about That's this? A good and point. Like- That's a good point. Um, I love that. Okay, cool. Uh, if any, if you folks out there want to get a question in the queue, find me on Instagram, send me a DM, uh, PS Cummings. I will get it into our queue and I will get it into a future episode. We'll get back to the show in just a minute. But first, a quick word of thanks to our sponsor this week, Element. Element, spelled L-M-N-T, is a tasty electrolyte drink with everything you need and nothing you do not. It was started by Rob Wolf, who's been on the show before and who's been around the block a time or two. Element contains a science-backed electrolyte ratio of 1,000 milligrams sodium, 200 milligrams potassium, and 60 milligrams magnesium. No sugar, no coloring, no artificial ingredients, no gluten, no fillers, no malarkey. No kidding. Why the heck do you want to start thinking about adding Element to your daily habit stack? Because it can facilitate hundreds of functions inside the body, from hormonal regulation to nutrient absorption to fluid balance. Because it can help reduce headaches, lessen muscle cramps, and fight fatigue. And because, quite frankly, it is downright tasty. Element is enjoyed by pro athletes, Navy SEALs, and hard chargers of all types. Right now, you can get yourself a free sample pack with any purchase. That's eight single-serving packets free. 
with any element order. A great way to taste all eight flavors before you stock your house with all the salty goodness you could want. Just head to drinkelement.com slash excellence to get the deal. Again, that's D-R-I-N-K-L-M-N-T dot com slash excellence. Let us dive into this mystery workout that we have. Uh, Last time we were together, you said you gave me a very quick rundown of like, oh, I was having a conversation with Heather, and in the back seat, Bodhi chimed in and said, "You should have it. You should talk about that on your podcast." Which cool that Bodhi knows you have a podcast. Um, he listens to it. Yeah, I love that. Yeah. Uh, but uh, give give me give us enough context to know what the heck we're talking about. And I'm super okay. curious why you think Bodhi. I think thought. we were driving. Yes, we were driving back from um, my mom's house on the Cape. We had gone to visit her around the holidays, and we were driving back. I can't remember what spurred it, but I think we were talking about um, somebody in our lives that was going through a really challenging and trying time. And I, not knowing that because Bodhi was on his podcast, Bodhi was on his iPad, me thinking he's not paying attention. But after I got done explaining my perspective on it, my philosophy on um, challenges, uh, Bodhi is kind of popular. He's like, is it with just, I just said, you know, you should talk about that on your podcast. So that's where we are. I love that. Um, Shout out to Bodhi. Harley was also in the car, but she did not say that. <laughs> and for those that don't, Bodhi is my, my 10 year old. Harley's my eight year old. Um, okay. So here's, it's basically a philosophy on what the heck we are all doing here on planet earth. Mm-hmm. So... Everyone, not everyone, there is a certain religions and there are uh, a lot of people that believe the, the the objective of this life is to live a good life so we can um, go to heaven or whatever it might be and experience blissfulness in, you know, for eternity. And a lot of this is shaped by, I feel like I should give credit now, from Michael Singer's stuff. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um where, what if it was the opposite? Mm. What if, if this was heaven? What if this was heaven? Interesting. And it might be heaven because if we are all truly just eternal souls floating around the universe and or beings in heaven, well, if you're in heaven, you get everything you want. So if you have everything that you want, where's the excitement? Where's the where's the emotion? Where's the living? Mm-hmm. Where's the feeling? It's void. It's not there. You're just a soul. Same thing if you're just a soul floating around the universe. There is no actually, there's no emotion. And that might be what being human is all about, is the opportunity to experience emotions. Mm. So souls float around the universe and the lucky ones get to come down here and experience two seconds to, you know, a second to a hundred years on planet earth. And why the reason I like this framework, this perspective, is it's the only way I've found to give meaning, purpose, and justification to suffering. Mm. 
Because with this mentality, for sure, you come down and you have joy and pleasure and blissfulness and excitement. That's cool to have. A soul would want to have that. But it's almost like the ones that come down here and have the most fear, the most heartache, the most trauma actually got to experience this human thing the most. Mm -hmm. And then they get to go back throughout the roaming the universe or heaven and go, that was crazy. That was like, whoa, I got to have the most intense Mm -hmm. experiences down there. And I really like that. And I'm not right, right? This isn't right. There's no, this isn't, I'm not trying to start a new religion. <laughs> it's called but, Zen. But I like this because my philosophy has always been to live life, mm-hmm. secondarily have experiences, and then thirdly, obstacles are opportunities. Mm-hmm. And this, I've never been able to justify beyond obstacles to true tragedy. Mm-hmm. And the biggest tragedy to me that I can, or the biggest thing I have a hardest time explaining why, like, why would a, what is the benefits? What is the upside of having a, a, a really, really young child, mm-hmm. you know, under one, certainly under two, three years old, um, die. Like what, like they didn't get a chance to do. And, and well, if you bring it through this perspective, like the people around that child are going to have so much pain and um, heartache but that's a such a big part of what it means to be human. Those people get to, they get to have that experience. They get to feel that that way. The Holocaust, those souls that came down here and had that, that went through that horrific, horrific thing that I have a hard time justifying through any other prism I've ever heard from any other religion, philosophy, or, well, walking through the death camps hand in hand with your seven-year-old daughter and your wife and having them ripped away from you to go to the gas chambers. I can't imagine anything more tragic or horrific. But if the reason we are here is to simply have those crazy experiences, well, that gives meaning to those experiences because you got to experience humanity at its highest, at its biggest. You had the most heartache. And that gives me a lot of faith in terms of why these things might be a part of mm-hmm. our existence. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's interesting. It's the, the flipping it around and <clears throat> thinking about instead of our existence, our, our temporary time here as being the sort of 
try out for some greater it's the opposite <laughs> right? eternal it's yeah it's, this, it's, this is the reward exactly you're floating around the universe for all of eternity with you know what if you know we talked about the 12 hour walk that we did and i passed out well when i passed out i didn't i lost consciousness but i was conscious mm-hmm. i i was like a, i was a consciousness and this was a really weird thing for me because I wasn't gone. I was in this place and I basically felt like I was just in this other realm. I didn't leave. It was very, very peaceful. And I almost feel like that, it's kind of like when you're sleeping, right? And you're asleep and you're just having a very nice, peaceful sleep, but you know, you're not kind of, you sort of know you're asleep. What if that was eternity and you came here just for this brief moment, these few decades to have this really powerful experience full of the full, the, the whole gamut. Right. Of- like the, the, you know, in the spiritual, they call it Maya, which is the, basically the, which is ironic that I have a daughter named Maya as well, <laughs> but it's, um, the illusion of humanity and the suffering that we all experience, like the questioning all the time. Well, that's the cool part coming here and be like, I don't know, like all of the uncertainty and all of the fear of death living with that is, would be so cool for some spirit that doesn't get that at all. That'd be amazing. Like the fear of death is the most amazing, cool thing that you could possibly have. Like, because it's the, urgency to live your life right now a spirit in heaven that lives for all of eternity doesn't get that Mm -hmm. like so now you get to feel what this thing is like oh my god i gotta do these things i'm I'm so afraid that i'm not gonna live a life of purpose that i'm gonna i'm gonna um you know that i i um i will outlive my kids and i'm gonna experience their like all these crazy things that we we think about and all of our neuroses and insecurities and um doubts and regrets that we've had like that's humanity we're the only ones that get to experience that that's a that's that's a gift and it's a pleasure that that's why this is heaven not to mention it's the only place that we know of in the universe that is essentially like a, a, a an, an aquarium and a, a a jungle gym and it's this beautiful amazing thing with animals running around and you know it's you get to do all these in free will. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's a pretty cool, dope place. <laughs> Does this allow for at least the beginnings of a, you know, I think one of the things you're talking about is just a, the, 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 the fear of death, which I think we all carry around whether or not we're conscious of it or not. But does this begin to translate or, or transform that fear of death into an appreciation of death? Because it's only death that creates call it urgency, call it whatever, but absent of death, then it's just the same thing for I think it brings a level of appreciation to everything. Yeah. Right? It brings right. a level of you appreciation. You can appreciate death. You can appreciate right. sadness. You can so, appreciate heartache. Yeah, exactly. I can appreciate my own insecurities. Yeah. I can appreciate um, how I messed up in that um, that presentation I was supposed to give and I felt so much um, turmoil internally that like, that's such a, crazy thing I got to experience that's does that doesn't exist anywhere else in the universe so yes it's that 
appreciation of death. It's appreciation of obviously all the beautiful things. We're not negating that. Like, yes, we appreciate the sunsets and I appreciate learning to surf and I appreciate, um, you know, um, cuddling with my kids and I appreciate, um, watching football with a fire going on. I appreciate, you know, um, the feeling of being successful in my career and all those things, but I can also learn with this perspective it's not just looking and searching for those things and everything else is a punishment. Yep. Those other things mm. then become a thing to appreciate as well because it's a part of experiencing this thing that we call life, mm-hmm. which is reserved, as far as we know, for very, 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 very few of us. And for a very, very short time. As far as we know. As far as we know. What is the, I think it's a singer quote that you've mentioned before, the the everything that happened to us is for the evolution of our consciousness. I'm not getting that exactly right. But mm-hmm. what, what is that it's quote Eckhart Tolle. Eckhart yeah. Tolle. What, yep. Just can you remind me what that I, was? I wish it was from a song and I could sing it. But... No, I meant it was from Michael Singer. Oh, Michael Singer. <laughs> <laughs> we can I make it, it a sing- song, though. <laughs> uh, I can't make it a song. I, I've, we'll get somebody to Oh, my God. What, what no is- musical talent. <laughs> Okay, Eckhart Tolle. What is the quote again? I just want to make sure I I remember. So it is, um, life will give you exactly what you need for the evolution of your consciousness. Mm -hmm. And the second part of it is, how do you know that um, that's what the universe is giving to you? Because it's what you're experiencing right now. Mm -hmm. So that's the same, it fits in this model, right? Which is, whether it's good, bad, indifferent, anything, it's the reason that this is happening for you is so that your consciousness, your you can evolve and grow and have these experiences. So yeah, some people have it by having to um, experience getting fired, right? Or some people have it by um, having to um, drive in their car and their radio is not working, right? Some people have it... Um, because it's it's you a positive you sitting on you know your couch snuggling your three year old child and you know them saying for the first time I love you like oh my god that's amazing, but it also brings meaning and justification to the really kind of horrific things as well through that quote and through this model, which is the reason that you are having this tragedy is so that your soul can evolve. Mm -hmm. And it might not be, this is kind of like the extension of his quote into my model, it might not be in this lifetime. Yeah. And that's okay. Like you might have, this might, you might be born with um, a mental disorder. And that can be like, well, what the hell is that all about? Well, unless, until you realize like, no, that's, you got to experience that aspect of what it means to be a human being. That just brings a lot of power to this existence, regardless of what this existence is. Mm -hmm. It doesn't need to be perfect. You don't need to be a world changer. Um, In fact, fact, it's kind of the opposite. Mm -hmm. It's where the more quotes, um, the more challenging it is is kind of the more opportunity you have for your consciousness to grow. Mm -hmm. Yeah. uh, Existence is the gift. It is a gift and everything, everything that is part of that. It's hard to think that though. It's hard to think that through other traditional other models or like, or if you're an atheist, right? So existence is a gift. Okay. But, um, you know, I was, I was born, um, paraplegic and uncommunicative. Mm -hmm. 
and I'm existing in a wheelchair with, uh, you know, somebody has to do every single other thing for me. Like that, that's, uh, uh, that's, uh, I'm not saying it's impossible. It's, it's a lot more challenging to accept that that is a gift without this level of, um, supportive structure around it. I love that. Thanks Bodie. Good idea. <laughs> Keep letting us know what you want us to talk about. Um, all right, let's jump into our shout out. Our shout out is just when uh, we read a note that either Ben or I or both of us have received or a podcast review, a YouTube comment, uh, something from one of you. Uh, and we always appreciate them. So keep them coming. This is from Diaz Dubai 08 on Apple Podcasts. And he's in the United Arab Emirates. It's a, he says, or she says, it's crazy to think I started listening to this podcast five years ago. During this time, so much has changed and it feels like my life has also evolved from a CrossFit junkie to now this more holistic approach to life, such as uh, such as the topics on the podcast. Mm. Thanks to you guys. I also made, made it my mission to spread the word of how taking care of your health will spill over to other aspects of your life. I keep reminding people that you can fill only from an empty cup. I thank you both from guiding me through. Or I thank you both for guiding me through my own personal development journey. I feel like I have a much different view of the world than I had five years ago. Let's keep chasing. I concur. Let us keep chasing. Oh, so cool. Um, so if you haven't left us a review or shot us a note or sent us a DM, we do see them all. We do read them all. Uh, and we uh, always appreciate them. So thank you in advance. All right. Cool down. We... Couple of weeks ago, we wrapped up our 30 days of kindness challenge. I really like this kind of this 30 days of challenge type thing. So I'm gonna I'm gonna introduce. I'm gonna offer one more or another 30 day challenge. I've talked about something that I've uh, thought about a lot. I've written about a little bit. Just called what I just call the first hour last hour rule, which is just that in our lives, most of the time, the first hour of the day and the last hour of the day are most hours to do with what we want. People aren't texting us. They're not emailing us at six o'clock in the morning or often, you know, eight, nine o'clock at night. Nobody's expecting us to do work. Nobody's like expectations, exterior expectations are almost none. And so therefore they have um, the highest, they have very high potential for us to use really well. But off, but often we off, we, 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 we squander those hours, right? We, we hit the snooze. We stare at Instagram for 30 minutes in bed before we get up and take a long, hot shower. And then all of a sudden it's like, okay, it's time to go work. Or maybe the kids are up now and now it's time to, you know, get them ready for school or whatever. And at the end of the day, we're tired. We're turned on Netflix and suddenly two episodes later, it's 10 45 or 11. It's like, fine, I guess I'll go to bed now. And so what I posit in this sort of first hour, last hour rule is, that has the most potential and we tend to, to waste them. And so what I'd like to do just for a 30-day challenge is every day go into the day with a sense of intention of what are we going to do? And then maybe it's the same across every 30 days. Every, I'm going to just kind of similar to you, like I'm going to do meditation and the yoga and whatever, and that's just going to be my first hour. Or for somebody like me, it's going to be a little bit different. Um mostly because kids sleeping affects when I, what, what my first hour of the day actually looks like. But the point being is, can I spend the first hour and the last hour of every day over the next 30 days with intention towards something, toward something I'm trying to build, towards somebody I'm trying to become, towards something that I don't yet have. And I feel like if I only had the time for it, that's what I would do. Well, this is the time for it. It's the first hour and the last hour. Nobody's going to mess with you during those times. And it just requires intention and discipline and a little bit of hard work. And so that's what we're going to do for the next 30 days uh, is first hour, last hour, 
with some intention. Thoughts? I so love it. Yeah. Yep. I, um, you know, the, the awareness, intention, action, yep. right? It always comes back to that it's, framework. Absolutely. So, so I love what you said is like, what do I want to build? Who do I want to become? That's just a cool, like little, um, starting point. That is question one. Like that's, that's number one. If I want to write a book, if I want to start my own podcast, if I want to, um, build a, turn my barn into a garage, right? Whatever it might be, what, what I want to build, who do I want to become could also be there. And that's one is not better than the other. Do I want to create or do I want to you know, create something physical or create something from a character. And so you could use that as terms of like, do I want to meditate? Do I want to do meal prepping? Do I want to read journal? Do I want to do yoga? Do I want to spend it intentionally with, as you were saying, that was what was going through my mind is um, I'm very intentional in the morning. Mm -hmm. I know exactly what I want to do, but you're saying like, no one's going to bug you in the last hour. And I was like, no, like I, I go to bed with my kids. Mm. Like I, we go to bed at 8.15 on a good day, 8.30 on a medium day, and 8.45 on, on a bad day. And I, I snuggle with them into bed. So I'm in their bed and I, I fall asleep in their beds. I get up. And, yeah. So all the stuff <laughs> leading up to that yeah. is with them. It's brushing teeth together. But what I realized is I'm choosing those things. That is me being into I choose yeah. to read with them. I choose to spend time with them. I choose... So I am being intentional there. I am not doing the next flip thing. I am not scrolling Instagram. So my default was like, no, I don't have that in the evening. But yeah, it's already embedded. It's in there. Who you are and what yeah, you do. exactly. Yeah. It is there. Um, but I can be better. And I would love to. Uh, we Heather and I both talked about um, being more intentional with creating a reading practice at night. Um, that it's amazing how if you want that to happen, what has to change like five dominoes ahead. Mm. Like it real. I mean, it's not, it's like, it changes from like when dinner is being made at like three 30 or four o'clock. And yet it goes back that far. If you want to read at seven 45 at night, you have to work that far ahead of time to make sure that that happens. So I'll, I will use first and foremost, I will use it to make sure I am staying intentional with my morning practice. Cause that's being edged into as I'm trying to get to work earlier. Previously. Yeah. Um, but secondarily, I can still do it as an hour for sure. Um, and secondarily, I will, um, I'm going to try to add in, uh, a practice of reading with my kids every night. Awesome. I love that. I think I'm a little bit flipped in that. I think more of my work needs to be done in the morning. Um, and it's a little bit because of the kids, but it's also a little bit of, of just my own, um, needing to be a little bit more disciplined and the evening. I think I've got a good sense of what I want it to be. I've been, um, I'll just shout out the, a book I just read. It's called uh, Building a Second Brain by Tiago Forte. Brain? Brain, yeah. It's basically the, the basic concept is like everything we read, everything we ingest, the ideas we have, we tend to just like let them come in and then we don't have anything to do with them. And so this idea of building a second brain is like building an exterior tool where like you read something, you engage with an idea, and it kind of goes into this second brain so that it's not lost and gone forever. But what it the the challenge of it is that it requires some it requires maintenance right so when i read something it's got to go into the system for me to ever find it or use it again and the going into the system has always been the hard part for me like you know i take notes in books i read or i make notes for uh, a podcast i listen to or whatever and then it tends to disappear there and i'm always like 
no, I want to be able to, I want to be able to reference it. I want to be able mm -hmm. to find it for whatever reason, either in a conversation or I'm writing something. And so this process of building a second brain is really a, a tool for that. But my point of that, saying all that is the, the maintenance, the, the, the building of that second brain requires effort and some time and some, some reflection. And so it's funny, actually, th this challenge was going to be a, um, no screens, for the first hour and the, the last hour, which I thought like, okay, yeah, that's, that's good. And then I started doing this and I realized like, oh, in the last hour is actually when I want to get back to the computer so that I can start to organize some of these so I can read through whatever. So I started thinking about it. It's not about the screens. It's about the unintentional uses, use of the screen. Cause if you're building a side hustle and all you've got is between eight and 10 at night, well, I'm not going to tell you. Well, right. don't pick up your screen because, well, too too bad. Your side right? hustle better be building bird, bird <laughs> That's houses. Right. That's right. Which probably work too. And so I kind of walked backwards. Like, well, what am I actually trying to get at? Because this was just for me. I was just trying to figure out how to get back to, to using the first and the last hour a little bit more intentionally, a little bit better. And I realized, oh, it has nothing to do with the screens. It has, it has everything to do with the, the excuse to be passive. The excuse to be like, well, this time doesn't matter. This is like fluff time. No, this this could be the most valuable time, and it does, whatever you whatever that looks like, whatever you are going to do with it, screens or not. Yeah, I I really like that idea of um the the second brain aspect, and your your people are listening to this, but we're con we're constantly absorbing, we're curious, we're learning, we're trying to grow and evolve, and I think that's the trap that myself included, most of us fall into is we do that, but then it it kind of just is like uh, you're sitting on the edge of the ocean and a wave comes up over your feet and then it passes back. You have this first, you have this like short little moment of this um, learning, but then six months later, that's gone. One of the the things that I try to do, and I could certainly do a much better job of it, but it does help a lot. I have a few um, note categories on my phone, business ideas, um, um mentality, um, nutrition. And as I'm learning things, I plug the notes into, and it doesn't matter where the, where it comes from. It all goes into that one of those categories. And I have these reference tabs now that built up to be fairly robust about these certain aspects. And it's something that I can go back and I, I review them a lot of times when I travel. Yep. I hate internet on planes because it's just like, it's more frustrating than is beneficial. So that's where I look at my yeah, I love that. My, my photos and I look scroll through my notes and I read through them. It's like, oh. That's not too dissimilar from what building a second brain mm. is, right? You cool. categories, you yep. organize it. There's obviously things in there that are different, but it's not like that dissimilar from what yeah. the basic model of building a second brain is, is have a place where things go that you can find if you were, if you were like, okay, I want to do something with this or what was that thing about that? Um, and so I think, yeah, that's, that's great. If that's, if that's what works for you, I think that's fantastic. Yeah. All right. Let us know. Uh, keep us posted how your 30 day, uh, first hour, last hour challenge is going, uh, hit us up on Instagram or send us a note or a text or leave a comment. To, um, Oh, one thing, uh, we never, we never let people know these, all these episodes are on YouTube. <laughs> I just feel like I want to make sure people know that too. If that's a place that they, uh, that you enjoy getting, uh, your podcast, which I think increasingly people are, uh, just search for chasing excellence on YouTube and you can find us there too. So leave us a comment there as well. Thank you everybody out there for listening. Thank you for your ratings and your reviews. Thank you for sharing the show with your friends and your neighbors and strangers at the grocery store. We appreciate it. Ben and I will be back for another episode of chasing excellence next week.